Some of, those are your life theme songs for some of you, right? Uh, wow. Um, this is Jamie. Everybody say hi, Jamie. Uh, this morning we are talking about, uh, well, the whole month we're talking about relationships, but we're talking about single, being single uh, this morning, and the, the sermon title is The Third Wheel. And, uh, and Jamie's going to speak in a second because J- Jamie has caught in almost double digits of bouquets at weddings. <laughs> almost double digits. Um, so we're going to talk about singlehood. And uh, I was going ha- to promo hearing God, but Chris and Kendall did such a good job of that. Uh, we're just going to leave that for now, but that's next Sunday. We just finished our 30 Days to Live series. Where, we'd, where we asked the question, if you only had 30 days to live, what, uh, what would you do? And it gave me great insight, because as we did that series, I am aware why some of you are single. Uh, you're, if your life goal is to see Toby Mac in concert 50 times, uh, you know, there we go, that's where it was. That might be why you're single, I don't know. Uh, but we are talking about singlehood. Being the third wheel. This... And if you're in junior high and you're feeling like a third wheel in the service right now, you can go to Conversations, which is at the back. You can go with Colton to the staff lounge. So being the third wheel. I've been, I've been the third wheel a few times in my life. Uh, I remember uh, coming downstairs uh, when my older brother was in high school, he had a girlfriend all through high school, and coming downstairs and him and his girlfriend making out multiple times. Uh, and uh, the picture that you see on the screen, that's how I, that's how I felt, uh, like all the time in high school. Uh, or sometimes they were, they were wrestling, which is like the, the Christian version of making out, which is still very awkward for, for all you Christian couples that poke and tickle and, you know, you might as well be making out. It's the same thing. You, you, you make a feel like the third wheel. But this is an important topic for us to talk about. I've actually been wanting to preach about uh, being single uh, for uh, a long time. And, uh, and some of you are choosing to be single. Some of you aren't single or, or are single and you wish you weren't single. Some of you are married and you wish you were single. Uh, that's a topic f- that we're going to touch base on another Sunday. But the, the average age, the median age that people are getting married now is, is uh, getting longer and longer. You know, people used to get married as young as 16, 17. Uh, but now statistics say that females get married on average around the age 27 and males around the age 28. So uh, the, the time span is getting longer. So s- single, being single is more uh, a part of reality today than it has ever been at any point in history. And less people statistically are getting married now than they ever have. On top of that... Uh, you know, we have uh, people among us in our faith community that are widows, that have lost spouses. You know, there, there, there's a singleness there that we, we've, we rarely talk about. Or folks here that have been divorced, they have been married, but they're no longer married. So what does that look like in the context of faith community? Some of you have unbelieving spouses that uh, you come to church, uh, you go to Bible study, you go to a group uh, by yourself, even though you are married. And there's a reality of that, that singleness that uh, you feel when you're in faith community. What is, last week we talked about being a tribe. What does it mean for us to be a tribe, to be a faith community, to be a family of believers, uh, yet we all have different relational realities? How do we live together, walk together, encourage one another? Because I think that there's been a bit of a false gospel that's been perpetuated. If I were to ask you, what's the gospel? What, what do you often hear preached? And you'd probably say, you know, that, we are, that we're sinful, that we're fallen human beings, that we need to be made right with God, that there's nothing we can do on our own. And so Jesus came to take our place uh, on the cross so that we could be forgiven and be restored to full relationship uh, with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that, you know, beautiful gospel. And then we often add on, and... You know, hopefully at some point, 
you get married, you have kids, and you, you know, and it's almost like we talk about marriage and having kids and the family and owning the house and, you know, all of those things as if it was part of the gospel. And I think sometimes that I've perpetuated this, uh, not on purpose, I mind you, but it's, it, I am married and I have kids, and that's part of my story, right? And so I preach from my story. But my assumption is not that everybody should be married or that everybody should have kids. But I think sometimes that unsaid piece that we fill in the gap with should. Like this is the goal or the assumption that every person uh, will have or should have. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 6, he's talking about sexual immorality. And then he moves on to 1 Corinthians 7. And he starts with this. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter. So the Corinthian church was asking Paul some questions. Yes, it's good to abstain from sexual relations. So this was what was happening in the church at the time. And you can understand why it would happen. They were followers of who? Jesus. Let's, you know, just, just so you know, in church, when the question is asked of you, just say Jesus and, you know, you're right most of the time. They're followers of who? And Jesus was single, right? Jesus was single. And then you had Paul, you know, the first, you know, the missionary to the Gentiles, and Paul was what? Single. You know, so you had the early church with their WWJD braces. What would Jesus do? WWPD, what would Paul do? And they're thinking, well, we're married, but we're following Jesus. He was single. Maybe it's better to be single. You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul's talking about porneia, where we get the word pornography from, but which is talking about sexual immorality. You know, they're trying to figure out their struggles as a community with this, and they're like, well, maybe we should just forget it all together, forget sexuality. Maybe we should just all be single, because after all, Jesus was single. Paul, who planted our church, was single. Maybe we totally missed it. And the assumption was we should be single. And that's the... That's the assumption that 1 Corinthians 7 is written with. I should be single. If you're going to be like Jesus, be single. Jesus was single. Paul was single. I would say the reverse has happened. The assumption now is that you should be married. You know, the, the life of a follower of Jesus, follow Jesus, get married, have kids, live the dream life. That's the assumption. There's principles that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 7 that are for all of us, whether you're single or whether you're married. His response to this issue in the community is very telling for us. So Paul says this, I say this as a concession, not as a command. So, so this is critical if we're going to understand what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 7 to all of us. We have to understand this principle that Paul is talking in principles. He's not talking in polarizations. Say principles, not polarization. This is often how we think, good and bad. You're married, good. Not married, bad. We think, drink alcohol, bad. Not drink alcohol, good. Watch R-rated movies, bad. PG-13 movies, good if you're older than 13. So we... we we live in these polarizing ways and these rules which help us navigate how to live, how to live a moral life. But Paul actually does not go there in 1 Corinthians 7. In fact, in fact, he says, this is a concession, not a command. I am giving you some principles. I'm giving you something to think about. You know, don't drive on the left side of the road. Probably a good rule. But when your parents tell you, don't eat with your hands. You know, it's a good rule, but there's some foods that you just have to eat with your hands, Right? There's rules and then there's principles. So Paul's inviting us to think instead of good and bad polarizations to ask the question, what's the better thing? There's, there's some choices that are better than others. There's some that are permissible. There's some choices that are worse. Some of you are living in a good way, but there might be a better way. But if you can't live in that better way for whatever reason, then live in the good way. Because at least the good is better than the worse. You know, so, so this is kind of the world that Paul starts to describe. 
Forget the polarizations, because it's easy to work in polarizations. This is what the Corinthian church wanted. Should we be single or not single? Paul says, well, it's not that, quite that easy. Here's some principles. Here's the rule. I wish that everyone were single, just as I am, yet each person, person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Every person has a gift. Now, how many of you guys have ever heard uh, somebody talk about the gift of singleness? Yeah, the gift of singleness. I, I've heard that for years. Some people are blessed with the gift of singleness. And I always just thought that meant that some people just have no sexual drive. And that's the, if you have no sexual drive, you're destined to be single. This is not what Paul is saying. I think what Paul is saying is this. Wherever you are, it's a gift. Whether you want it or not. Wherever you are is a gift whether you want it or not. I remember uh, there was a Christmas when I, I don't know how, I was in junior high. I, I asked for a stereo for Christmas. My parents bought me this Sony or a Panasonic five-disc changer stereo. And... I opened it, and I thought it was great. And then my parents opened their present for each other, which was a 100-disc stereo. The same stereo I asked for for Christmas, my parents got uh, one that was, well, what, 20 times better, because I had 100, 100, see the math I just did in my head? Uh, <laughs> 20 times better stereo than I got. And I remember I was, I was livid, I was angry, I was so mad, and... And my, I remember my mom just being like, just totally put off that the, her child would not be grateful for the gift that he was given. And I could not enjoy the stereo, probably for a couple of weeks, because I could not get over the fact that my parents would buy the thing that I asked for, except way better for themselves. And I had to listen to them, listen to Dwight Yoakam upstairs. Oh. The stereo was just a little bit louder than mine. The, the, I couldn't turn the collective soul up enough. <laughs> yeah. But it, it took me a couple of weeks. It, and then I, once I get, got out of the world of comparing my gift to their gift, I loved that stereo. In fact, I, I, just, I loved it and I enjoyed it for like the next 10 years of my life. Absolutely loved it. But sometimes when we're in a position of comparison we cannot actually appreciate and accept the gift which we have. And Paul is saying that every single one of you has a gift. And you might think, well, my singleness isn't a gift. I'm just single because I haven't found the right person yet. If you are single, it's a gift. If you're married, it's a gift. Wherever you are, it's a gift. And if we learn to see our current situation as a gift, then we can actually begin to understand what God wants to do in our lives wherever we are. And the, the word gift is the word uh, charisma, uh, but, but the, uh, this is where we get the word charisma from, but it can also be translated as blessing. You have a gift that you actually have a blessing that God has given you, and some of you are so caught up in comparison you can't actually accept the blessing and the gift that you have. Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about the gift of singleness. The gift of singleness. Um, yeah, and as we continue through this series, I, I would encourage everyone to, <clears throat> to not, um, if you're not single, if that's not at the stage that you're at, don't, don't out. Um, because how many of you know we're not supposed to do life alone, right? So as we are doing life with each other in community, we, how many people know a single person? hey <laughs> So if you're not single, you know one. Am I right? Um, but at every, at every stage um, as we talk, just, yeah, I would invite you and encourage you to keep that open posture. What can I learn? How can I better understand the community that the Lord is surrounding me with um, and better understand where he has me at and, and why? And, and as we dig deeper into that, um, let's just keep open hearts. The gift of singleness. Yeah, it's... Um, I love the way that you put that. It's, it's really, it is a gift. It is such a gift. Isn't that good? It's such a gift. There is a uniqueness about this season of life um, when actually 
practical realities say, I am not changing diapers at all in my day. <laughs> that frees up a lot of time. There are, there are things in, um, in life that actually I have time for that um, later on if I get married that I won't have the same time in the same way, right? So as a single person, um, I, love to, um, I love to ask, Lord, what can you teach me now in this time at this state that you maybe wouldn't teach me anywhere else at any other time in any other way? And so even as I go about my singleness and, um, and, and appreci- not only appreciate, but really dive into, Lord, what, what do you have for me in this season? How can you develop me? What does it look like for me to actually um, be whole and become whole in you? We talk about that God spot sometimes. Um, I don't necessarily even feel like it's, it's a spot that, that the Lord can fill. Um, maybe, maybe it is, but as we become whole, in him, in our singleness, being fully confident and, um, and knowing who we are, there's a really beautiful uniqueness about the time of being single when we get to know beyond a shadow of a doubt who we are in him, who he has called and created us to be as we discover who he's creating us to be and allow him to speak into our life the truth that actually it's different. How many of you know it's different to be like, yeah, I'm single, it's fine. Versus, yeah, I'm single and rocking it, right? There's a difference, right? So allowing the Lord to come and meet us and teach us and show us who he's created us to be in this time is actually, it's not possible later on in life in the same way it is when you're single. So can the Lord redeem that later on in life? Absolutely. But there is a special uniqueness about how he goes about that process when we're single. Mm. (laughs) This is so fancy. Oh, you have a text message. Don't text Matt right now. I can't handle it. (laughs) 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 I'm serious. (laughs) All right, perfect. Um, so just touching on purity quickly, um, I think even as, as Matt was sharing about the good and bad, um, when we think purity, good, the opposite of that, not good. Um, purity is so important to the heart of God. And one thing about purity that's really beautiful is that um, purity draws us closer in intimacy with Jesus. And so it's not actually about doing bad or good in the sense of just that alone, but it's like actually we get to draw closer to the Father's heart when we focus on his face, keep our eyes and our gaze locked on the truth of who he is, and we get to walk in purity in thought and in heart um, in a way that draws us to him. And so I think that that purity is... um, it's a, it's a really amazing thing because it actually produces great fruit. And when we, know, when we do what we know to be true in regards to purity, um, yeah, we get to draw closer, closer to Jesus himself. It's like in any friendship or relationship, if you're doing something that grieves the heart of your friend, you're not going to have the same thriving relationship that you would if you didn't do that, right? So it's actually not about not having fun. Um, that's really not what it's about at all. But the Lord knows what's best for us. And as he calls us into purity and draws us into that invitation, as we step forward into that, there's just depth of intimacy with him that's available when we choose that path. How amazing is that? Mm. Let's read this together. Um, So I say to those who are... Oh, sorry, I'll read it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So I say to those who aren't married and to the widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. When we were looking at this passage, um, you know, Jamie's talking about purity and the importance of staying pure. And this is what, this is what Paul is referring to here. 
Um, be pure. It's better to be pure. Uh, but if you can't be pure, then here's a good principle, right? You, so you see the, you know, then get married. And I was chatting with a friend at coffee there this past week, and we were talking about this passage, and it's just like, Paul's actually wrong. Can I say, can we say that in church? Uh, <laughs> Paul did say these were his thoughts, right? And Paul was single, right? So he, he doesn't completely know what he's talking about. Uh, statistically, in reality, an experience would show that, you know, if you're living in an impure way, you know, if your you know, lust is out of control, if you, if you haven't actually been able to honor God with that area of your life, marriage will not fix it. If you, if you have a struggle with, with pornography, for example, getting married is not going to stop that. And I think as, as young people, uh, young single people who have not yet been married, there's a lie that can creep in there. And, and Paul almost perpetuates, this, perpetuates that in this passage. So I just want to kind of address that. That, oh, as soon as I get married, then, uh, and I can have sex, which we'll talk about in the fourth week of the series, by the way, come back for that. Uh, then I won't have to deal with any of this stuff anymore. Well, that's not true. And, and, and we'll, we'll find out why Paul is talking this way in a second uh, when we get to the later part in the passage. So let's continue to read. Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. And he continues to go. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. So here's, Paul is actually giving you the principle here. He calls it his rule. But he's giving you the principle to keep you from moving into polarizations of right and wrong, good and bad. He says, here's the principle. Follow Jesus from wherever you are. Follow Jesus from wherever you are. If you're single, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? If you're married, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? If you're married to a believer, what does that mean for you as a couple to follow Jesus? If you're married to an unbeliever, what does that mean for you as a believer in Jesus who's married to an unbeliever to follow Jesus? If you were married and you got divorced or your spouse passed away, what does it mean for you now to follow Jesus? Wherever you are, follow Jesus. Maximize your marriage. Maximize your singleness. Jamie, talk to us about maximizing singleness. Oh, man. This is exciting. Um, Jesus did not come to earth and die on the cross, the most brutal death for us to live miserable, sad, single lives. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Oh my goodness. It's, it's, there's so much hope. Hey, I just, I want to acknowledge if you are, if you're in that place, if you are in a place of brokenness and sadness and you are uncomfortable with your singleness, that's okay. That is okay. You don't have to be pretending that it's fine if you feel like it's not fine right now. That's okay. But the Lord wants to come and meet you in that place. My encouragement and challenge to us in that place is let him come. Invite him to come and spend time with him allowing him to come and meet you in that place. Don't just think, oh, I need to, like actually, when we do the stuff that we know to do, he changes our hearts. He changes our perspective. He changes the way that we're able to see, the way that we're able to see ourselves in our singleness and the world. It's crazy. Sometimes in our busy lives, we just get so caught up in stuff that we actually forget to take time and and let our emotions that are gifts from God help point to something that the Lord is inviting us into. Oh, I feel sad right now um, that I'm single. I feel maybe your emotions are, you're feeling, okay, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling broken. I'm feeling um, insecure. I'm feeling incomplete. 
whoa, okay, those things point to, Lord, come into this place. Where are you in that? Where are you inviting me into? Where's, where's the place you're inviting me into that you have for me to walk forward in in that way? Um, yeah, yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> little, little tangent there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there, as, we, as we maximize our singleness, um, and we talked about briefly before, there are things that we don't have time for later on in life because we're investing in other things in different ways. Um, but singleness is not freedom from responsibility. It's freedom for responsibility. I think lots of times in our culture, we tend to view singleness as carefree, no worries, no responsibility. Am I right? Oh, you're single. You've got time. You can do what you want, right? Okay, imagine Paul is single. Jesus is single. What did they do in and for the kingdom of God because they were single? That is insane. It is insane. What would it look like if we were a generation of singles who were completely whole because we allowed the Lord to come into our hearts. We did not compare ourselves with anyone else. And we actually went after the kingdom of God with him and advanced what he's doing here on earth. How crazy would that be? What could that look like? As we invite him into those places to meet all of the needs that he knows that we have, the needs that we have that we don't even know that we have, he knows. Yeah. yeah, amen. Maximize your singleness. It's good. Not only maximize your singleness, maximize wherever you are. What, God, God, what does it mean for me to follow you wherever I am? Maximize your marriage. So, some of you um, got married and then regretted that decision. And, oh well, that's where you are. You're, you're in a marriage that maybe if you would have turned the clock back 10 years, you would have made a different de- decision. But Paul's principle here is wherever you are, what does it mean for you to maximize wherever you are? Be the best husband you can be. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best whatever, wherever you are, maximize it for the kingdom of God. Choose the best. Choose the best wherever you are. I know. But, 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 you, uh, you know, if I just had fill in the blank then, you know, we're back to the if then scenario that we talked about in the 30 days to live. Whatever that if is, is not going to fulfill you. I know there's this, this thinking about the one, and I think we've got to talk about it in this, this singleness passage, or the series here. Um, the one. You know, we're looking for the one. If I could just find the one. You know, where do we get ideas like this from? Maybe from Tom Cruise. You complete me. How many of you guys remember that point in the movie? That was like, I got tears like coming out in that point in the movie. They, they were just like bashing their husbands in the living room and then Tom Cruise just like waltzes in and she goes from thinking like men are the enemy to like, you had me at hello. You had me. You had me at hello. You complete me. I was like, oh, man. Just, there's part of me that just went, amen, amen, Tom. But, but no, it's, it's, it's BS. It's BS. <laughs> it's BS. There is nobody on this earth that God created to complete you. There's no person on the face of this earth that will complete you. Psalm 23, David says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Everybody say, I lack nothing. You lack nothing. To live out the life that God has called you to live, you lack nothing. If you are in a position where you're thinking about your lack, that perspective is robbing you of the gift that God has given you wherever you are. Because we're worried about the lack. But we recognize that we lack nothing, that the Heavenly Father, being in relation with the Heavenly Father, we have all that we need, that God is our shepherd, that he's provided for every one of our needs. 
We can live without a posture of lack. So I hate to break it to you. The one doesn't exist. Paul blows up this notion of the one. It's a long-standing legend that there's some mythical creature out there close to the unicorn that is like God just, he has for you. If I can just find that unicorn, my life is going to be complete. You're missing half. No, this idea actually doesn't come from scriptures. Not even close. The idea actually comes from Greek mythology, specifically in an ancient writing by Plato called the Symposium. According to Plato, humans were originally androgynous, each with four arms, four legs, two sets of genitalia, one head made up of two faces. This was the, the Greek myth. Picture that. You know, it sounds like something out of like the Lord of the Rings or something like that. These four-legged, two-faced human beings became a threat to the gods, but the pantheon didn't want to destroy them completely because they wanted worshipers. Makes sense. I don't want to get rid of my worshipers. I just don't want to be threatened by them. So... So Zeus, the king of the gods, split, two, split humans in two, cutting their strength in half, doubling the number of worshipers. He's a smart guy. Plato writes that since then, since that split happened, we have been looking for our other half so we can become one. It's not a biblical idea. Do, do you believe in Zeus or do you believe in God? Because God created us as one, as complete, as uh, whole with him. And this, this is the, the biblical principle, the formula here, is one whole plus one whole equals one. Because it does say, and we'll talk about this in marriage week, that the two become one flesh. Right? But that does not mean that there was a half plus a half and that equaled one. Yes, when you get married, you enter into a covenant and you become one flesh. But that doesn't mean apart from marriage that you are less than one. The, the, the kingdom, and I love kingdom mathematics because the, I'm not good at earthly mathematics. Uh, one whole plus one whole equals one. Yeah. I, I love that. You are, not, you are not incomplete by not being married. Is that true? Mm-hmm, that's true. Um, I don't know if, if some of you singles have had this, but I have had this quite a few times in my life. Uh, Jamie, you seem happy. And they just look at you with their mouth open and eyebrows raised, and I'm like, oh, thank you. Thanks so much. And they're like, is, uh, is anything new? Anyone, anything, anything new? Uh, and <laughs> I just laugh. I think it's so funny because actually for me to be filled with joy apart from a man, um, that's all right, isn't it? And actually, it's not just all right. Um, it's awesome. Because that means that I'm overflowing with joy of the Spirit that strengthens my being because that joy is accessible to us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Overflowing with joy. uh, And the reason is not because I'm in love. What? Big shocker. Um, Actually, it's because I'm complete on my own and I'm not a half a person looking for my complete partner, right? Does that make sense? Um. Lord bless all of those people. I love them all dearly. <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody's offended at me, I don't think. Uh, so funny. Um, yeah, man, just this question keeps coming back to me. What would it look like if we were and if we became a generation completely whole? Completely whole. Completely whole in knowing who we are created to be by God, the one who has created us so specifically and so intentionally. Um, I find it interesting that in our culture today, we're very, very, very results-driven. And even in our social media and the way that we 
see things on Instagram and other social, social, ugh, social media platforms, um, it is very results-driven, right? Has anyone ever watched the news and seen this lady ate a salad? Or probably not, um, but somebody on the news, oh, this lady lost 400 pounds. That's what we see on the news, right? We see the, the crazy results. What? But we don't see the process. Our generation is missing out on the process because we are so results driven. And those pictures that we put on Facebook that are the results of an epic process, um, yeah, we don't, we don't always see the process. The process is important. As a single person, the process of allowing the Lord to develop our hearts and allowing us to dig deep into who we are, I really, I don't feel like I can, I can emphasize that enough. Um, because who we are, hmm. it's just not, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice idea for some of us um, to be complete in God, but actually it's an invitation that he extends to us and it's one that we're actually able to go, enter into and come and become complete in him. He doesn't just offer it to us as a nice idea. It's like, actually, we actually lack nothing in him. Because he's made it like that for us. So I think when we believe in the, that earthly formula of 0.5 plus 0.5 equals 1, it sounds right and that's good. But, but the reality is that and I mentioned this, right? If you, if you have something in your life that you're struggling with, getting married is not going to fix it. Uh, if you have an addiction, getting married isn't going to change that. Uh, if you are a really sad person and you're, you know, you're, you're Grinch and you're bitter and frustrated, getting married is not going to change that. Uh, getting married at best is a band-aid. And so the lie of, you know, it looks like good math, 0.5 plus 0.5 equals 1, uh, actually sets us up for huge disappointment in our lives. That no person is actually going to complete you or fix you um, because Jesus is your Savior, not that person. And so what does it mean to put our identity uh, into Jesus for him to be our all in all, for him to actually be our Savior, to be our one, if you want to talk about the one. And then everything after that is, is gravy. Paul continues to expand on this idea that we don't have a lack. And so he, uh, like Paul usually does, he, he takes an idea that everybody would agree on and he just kind of, uh, kind of applies that broader than that. So he talks about, you know, circumcision. You know, if you were circumcised uh, because Jews would be circumcised and Greeks weren't. So this is a big idea uh, issue in the early church. He says, if you were circumcised before you found Jesus, stay circumcised. Uh, you'd have to. Uh, if you were uncircumcised before, then stay that. But wherever you are, follow Jesus. If you were a slave before you found Jesus, you know, if, if you get the chance to be free, then take it. But, but don't think that you're, you have lack, that you, you can actually follow Jesus as a slave. You're a free man as a slave. But if you were free, don't become a slave, but recognize that you're now a slave to Christ. If you're married, stay married. You know, there's some profound things actually in this passage about, uh, about marriage and divorce and uh, staying, uh, you know, even the implications of being married to an unbelieving spouse. Paul says, stay married to your unbelieving spouse because did you know that your spouse is saved in your, because you're married and so are your kids? And, and we just go, you know, we... we we often think in terms of individual salvation and Paul, uh, and rightfully so, but Paul actually blows open the mystery that I don't quite understand here, but that should be an encouragement for all of you parents that have unbelieving kids or an unbelieving spouse that your faith means something in your family. It's not just for you. So Paul's saying, wherever you are, just focus on Jesus. Like, he's the one. He's the thing. And then he continues. However, those who, are, who get married at this time will have troubles. 
and I'm trying to spare you those problems. Can I get an amen from anyone who's been married? Um, I mean, me and my, my wife's amazing. Uh, if there's problems in our marriage, it's my fault. But, it, <laughs> but if you're married, you read this as like, well, Paul wasn't married, but he had, actually had some totally marriage wisdom going on here. If you're married, you're going to have some troubles, and I'm trying to spare you those troubles. Uh, but let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. And this is the thing that we have to understand when Paul is writing. They believe that Jesus was going to come back at any moment. So in his mindset, you know, Jesus is coming back next week. Jesus is coming back in two weeks. So if, uh, maybe in a few months. But don't rock the boat because Jesus is coming back. And we're 2,000 years later, and for all we know, we're still the early church. So what does this look like now? Um that we might live full lives. And I think this goes back to some of the principles that we talked about in the last series, that we ought to live with the sense of urgency. The, the urgency that Paul brings in this passage that, you know, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We should still live with the sense of that today. So live fully wherever you are, because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. If you want to be free from the concerns of this life, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on, on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. Say that with me. Whatever will help you serve the Lord best. So here's Paul's principles. Wherever you're at, follow Jesus. Maximize wherever you're at. And then ask the question, what does it mean for me to serve the Lord best? And I think some of us, we get focused on finding our person. We'll come back to the one idea. And last week we talked about tribes. And, and I think maybe it's, it's more important to worry less about finding your person and worry about finding your people. I've had some single friends that have said to me, um, you know, it's fine if I'm single the whole, my whole life, but it's not fine if the church that I'm a part of does not have a radical sense of intimacy and hospitality. Because I was created for community too. And part of the reason why this message is so important if you're not single is to recognize that whoever you're with, there's other people in this room beyond that person that you're with. That third wheel, that fifth wheel, that seventh wheel. Uh, whatever wheel they are, they have a need for intimacy and community too. And not all intimacy is fulfilled in a marriage relationship or should be fulfilled in a marriage relationship. And God actually calls us to a radical sense of community and intimacy together as believers in Christ. Um, and that's part of where a single person maybe finds no lack. Is, is there's people, relationships available to them in the body of Christ uh, where they can find community and intimacy with others. I'm just going to read the last um, part of this verse here. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. Oh, you just read that one. Yeah. Yep. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. I'm sorry, we just we took out the last slide, but I'm just going to touch on it quickly. Um, there's a piece about distractions that is, um, if you if you just look up the next verse there, um, and I'm just I'm reminded of a couple of seasons in my life where I chose singleness when I was in Bible school when I was doing missions, um, and I actually I just said, hey Lord, this year's for you. I'm I don't want to be distracted by anything and any anyone that would. Um, that would take away at all from my my time that I want to intentionally set aside for you. And so I just want to say, if you, if you do that as a single person, it was so awesome for me. I got to dive deep into learning more about the Lord and about myself during those times. And it was extremely beneficial for me. Um, it's really neat to see how when we set undevoted, or when we set devoted time, 
aside for the Lord what he does with it. And it's not something that we usually um, we usually push for in our culture. Usually it's a lot more busy and fill it with stuff. Um, but if some of that stuff that you choose to fill your life with is setting, setting time aside for the Lord to allow him to speak into who you are um, as a single person, it produces incredible fruit. I'd just like to spend a minute um, or two praying. Why don't we close our eyes together? Just allow the Lord to come and, and meet you where you are at. God, we thank you for the gift of singleness. God, as, as marriage is not a reward for good behavior, um, singleness is not a punishment. <laughs> so for those of us who might be feeling like that, God, we just ask that you would lift that off. If there's any heaviness, any, any guilt, any shame, any weightiness that is um, not of you, God, that, that we're experiencing here in this room, we ask you to lift that right now in Jesus' name. God, we come and invite you to speak truth into who we are, who you've created us to be. For all the singles in this room, I declare over you um, and proclaim a blessing to hear the voice of your Father and to trust him for what he says. What he says about you is true. It's not too good to be true. It's actually the truest truth. So we bless you in your intimacy, singles. We bless you in your intimacy with the Lord. Would you go to deeper depths and higher heights in knowing Him and knowing who He's created you to be than ever before? We bless you to be launched into purpose and destiny as a single person, blessed, sent out, and highly favored by the Lord. We declare blessing over you. just want to remind you that nothing is wrong with you. I'll tell you what's right is the timing of the Lord. So God, we thank you and we praise you for your timing. Thank you that your timing is perfect. We declare in this place that we trust you, God. We trust that you know what you're doing. We trust that you know what timing is right and perfect for us. So if there's any stress or anxiety that comes with not knowing the future, God, we, we place that into your hands right now in Jesus' name. We break all anxiety in this place in Jesus' name for fear of the future. God, we trust you. Lord, for those of us in, in really painful situations, um, in, in singleness, God, we just want to bless you right now in the name of Jesus. Would you be blessed with the comforter? Would you be blessed with the one who comes to make you whole in this place? There's something unique that the Lord has for you in this season of brokenness. We declare blessing for you to be able to freely receive all that the Lord has for you in his grace, in his mercy, in that brokenness. God, we thank you for, for bringing wholeness. We pray for an infusion of hope in Jesus' name, an infusion of hope. Just going to spend a little bit more time here um, just before we wrap up continue to rest in what the Lord is releasing right now and blessing blessing us with together as a congregation and as individuals. God, would you show us as a community what it looks like to champion singles in a way that pushes us into our destiny and purpose. God, thank you that singles are not forgotten and they're certainly not forgotten in community. 
God, thank you for opening our eyes and showing us strategies even on how to, um, how to involve and how to love single people in our lives that you've, that you've put into our lives, Jesus. God, we thank you for your goodness. We stand on your promises. For those of us who don't understand where or why we're at where we are, God, we stand on the truth of who we know that you are. Thank you that you are good. We declare your goodness in this place. All God's people said. sharing the stage with me this morning. Can we give Jamie a hand for uh, awesome, awesome job. Um, yeah, just a couple of things as we close. Uh, starting point, uh, you, heard, you hear us talk about every week if you want to get plugged in here. Either growing your faith or just getting plugged into community, a starting point is the next step for you. Um, and uh, we offer classes one, two, three, four on a rotation. This week is week one. Great week to start, uh, but you can plug in on any week other than the week four uh, and joining uh, on, on that starting point track. Uh, there's a Spanish group. Uh, if, you, if Spanish is your primary language, no hablo espanol. Uh, we have a Spanish group that meets just off, to my left and your right in the boardroom after the service, 10 minutes after service ends. Uh, and they just a debrief uh, of the service together in Spanish. And uh, that's uh, I think that's very helpful for, for some. So we just want to highlight that uh, for you. Uh, let me pray as we close. So Father, we thank you. Uh, when we talk about uh, being completed by someone that, uh, Lord, you do complete us. That we were created and made to live in relationship with you. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that has not yet made that decision to unite with you, Lord, because maybe we're looking at our lack and thinking that something else in this world is going to complete us. Uh, Lord, I pray that they would uh, see the folly in that thinking, that we would recognize every single one of us that we were created for eternity, that we were created to live in relationship with the living God. And if you're someone in this space this morning that has not yet taken that step of faith, we'd invite you at the end of service to come forward to our one uh, member of our prayer team. Uh, they would love to pray with you uh, to begin that journey. So Father, we just thank you that you invite us into relationship with you. And Lord, I pray as we move forward as a community, uh, Lord, that we would learn to walk together well, providing uh, places for each person, regardless of where they are at in their journey, Lord, that we collectively would choose to follow you no matter where we are. Lord, I pray for those that maybe feel like third wheels, fifth wheels, seventh wheels, uh, Lord, that they would find a home and a place here. And Lord, that we would not just be individuals, but we would be a people of God where other people can come and into relationship with uh, community and with you. So God, we just say thank you. All God's people said, amen. Thanks for coming. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, just a reminder that Hearing God starts next week as well. You can register on the website.